you are receiving this transmission, you are reclaiming the faith with Phil Baker on the Fourth Watch Radio Network. Welcome to episode 68 of Reclaiming the Faith, a podcast with a mission to reveal what the earliest Christians believed about the core issues facing us today. I'm your host, Bill Baker. Now, let's dig into history. Hey, y'all, thank you so much for taking time to listen to Reclaiming the Faith. Thank you for praying for me and my family and for my podcasting partners, BDK and Justin Fall, the Fourth Watch Radio Network. Well, I just want to let you all know that I have a new album out called The Wanderer, which you can find on CD Baby or iTunes, Amazon, uh, Spotify, anywhere that you can buy music, you can get it. So I'll have a link to that in the show notes. I really want to encourage you all to go check that out. This is going to be a pretty fun episode for me. Uh, It's called Luke 15, Jonah and Jesus, where I'm going to be looking at 30 ways that the parable, what's, what's often called the parable of the prodigal son, which is more like a parable of two sons, but how that parable in Luke 15 correlates to the story of Jonah. And uh, I think it'll be a real blessing for y'all. So if you are blessed by this episode, please go to my iTunes channel, Reclaiming the Faith, and leave a rating and review there, as that'll help others find this show. Uh, Anything you need um, from Reclaiming the Faith, whether it be uh, the podcast, music, my blog, uh, anything like that, you can find my Patreon account, patreon.com slash philsbaker. You can find a link to all of those things on my website, philsbaker.com. So please go over there and check that out. Also in 2016, I wrote a book called New Wineskins in the Simple Words of Christ, which you can buy uh, on Amazon, but you can find also a link to that on my website, philsbaker.com. Go check that out. If it's a blessing to you, please go ahead and also leave a rating and review on Amazon. Well, as I said earlier, I'm blessed to be a part of Justin Falls Fourth Watch Radio Network, along with BDK of Omega Frequency, who I do a monthly Q&A show with called Ready With An Answer. And if you have any questions about what you hear on this podcast or on Omega Frequency, anything on the Fourth Watch Radio Network, please feel free to email me at emailphilsbaker at gmail.com, or you can hit up bdk at omegafrequency.com, and we would love to answer those questions on Ready With An Answer. Well, lastly, the early, uh, early Christian quotes that I use in my podcast can generally be found on the CD-ROM version of the Anti-Nicene Fathers, which you can buy for a mere $5 on the Scroll Publishing website, scrollpublishing.com. All right, well, I'm really excited for this episode. I hope you are too. Let's go ahead and get episode 68 rolling. All right. Well, I just want to begin this podcast by giving a little bit of background to the parable of the prodigal son, as it's called. It starts in Luke chapter 15. And in Luke chapter 15, verse 5, Luke writes, Now all the tax collectors and the sinners were coming near him to listen to him. When it says tax collectors and sinners, that's often 
um, a euphemism in a way for both bad men and bad women, basically sinful men and sinful women. So you've got all of these really sinful people around Jesus in verse one. And then verse two, it says both the Pharisees and the scribes began to grumble saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. So you have a collection of really bad people in the eyes of the world. And you have a collection of really good people in the eyes of the world. And um, it's kind of interesting in Matthew chapter five, when we're called to be perfect, like our heavenly father is perfect to be complete, to be um, fully mature, like our heavenly father is, it says, because he causes his rain to shine on both or rain to fall on both the evil and the good, the sun to shine on the evil and the good. He loves all people. And that's kind of what you're going to see in this parable of the prodigal son or the parable of the two sons, because there's a younger brother who's very bad and an older brother who's very good. And both of them need the father. Both of them have rejected the father for different reasons. And um, you see that with the tax collectors and sinners, and then with the Pharisees and scribes too, both of them need Jesus. And then Luke goes on to tell two, uh, Luke shows Jesus telling two different parables. One of a person who, a shepherd who's lost a sheep, he has a hundred sheep and 99 are with him and one goes missing. And so he leaves the 99 to go get the one. And then he also tells the story of a woman who's lost a, a coin and she sweeps the house and looks frantically all over until she finds that coin. And then there's so much rejoicing with both the shepherd who finds his sheep and the woman who finds her coin. And Luke says that, uh, or quotes Jesus saying, I tell you that in the same way, there'll be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who think they need no repentance, basically. And you're going to see the great joy of the father and those in the house when the younger son comes home and the joy that the father calls the older son to have as well. So let's get into the parable first. Um, and yeah, I would encourage you um, to read the story of Jonah. Uh, if you haven't read the story of Jonah, cause I'm going to kind of be talking about it as if you know the story. So maybe if you want to pause right now, go to your Bible and read the story of Jonah. It's four chapters. It won't take you very long. Go ahead and pause it. And then, then once you're done, come back or you can listen to it or whatever, unless you know it really well. And that's fine. So I'm going to read the parable of those two sons or the prodigal son. And then we're going to talk about how it correlates to the book of Jonah. And then we're going to show how it points to Jesus. All right. So pause it, go read or listen to the story of Jonah and then come back. All right. So starting in uh, Luke 15, verse 11, and Jesus said, a man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, father, give me the share of the estate that falls to me. So the father divided his wealth between the two sons. And not many days later, the younger son gathered everything together and went on a journey to a distant country. And there he squandered his, his estate with loose living. 
Now, when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country and he began to be impoverished. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country. And he set him into his fields, sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine were eating and no one was giving anything to him. But when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread, but I am dying here with hunger. I will get up and go to my father and I will say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. So he got up, he came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him. And he ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves quickly, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and now he has been found. And they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field. And when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. And he summoned one of the servants and began inquiring what these things could be. And he said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But the older son became angry and was not willing to go in. And his father came out and began pleading with him. But the older son answered and said to his father, look, for so many years I have been serving you and I have never neglected a command of yours. And yet you have never given me a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your wealth with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, the father said, son, you have always been with me and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice for this brother of yours was dead and has begun to live and was lost and has been found. And that's the end of the story. So let's go back. Let's go back to the beginning and let's think about how this story of two sons and a father, how it correlates to the story of Jonah. Well, the story of Jonah, even though it's about Jonah, it's also about Nineveh. Nineveh was an incredibly wicked, wicked city in Assyria. And um, Nineveh was built by Nimrod. It goes back to that. And the Ninevites were famous for their wickedness, um, flaying people alive and displaying their skins for, um, for passersby to see what Nineveh does to its enemies. These guys were horrible. So God comes to Jonah and he tells him to go to Nineveh to uh, preach repentance to them. Well, 
Jonah does not do that. Instead, he rejects his lineage, basically. He turns his back on being an Israelite and being a prophet and just tries to run away from it all. And the younger son does a similar thing to the father. He tries to turn his back on his father and leave it all behind and go to a very distant land as well. As the younger son says, give me my share of, of the estate that falls to me. And he leaves. So Jonah turned his back on his heavenly father. And not many days later, the younger son gathered everything together, went on a journey to a distant country. Jonah set sail for the ends of the earth, trying to get as far as he can away from the presence of the Lord. Well, similar to the younger son, uh, as he's there uh, squandering his estate with loose living, this great famine comes upon the country and he begins to be impoverished. Well, like Jonah, as Jonah is out on the sea, God sent a great storm on the boat that put the men and Jonah into a very desperate condition. Now, it's interesting that while that younger son is out in the distant country running from his God and this famine comes, he turns to Gentiles to save him. And it's interesting that Jonah, as this great storm hits the boat, uh, Jonah relies on the Gentiles to um, cause that storm to, to cease also, tells them to throw him over overboard and the storm would cease. Jonah's thrown over and he sinks down, down into the depths of the sea. He hits rock bottom, just like the younger son, as he is um, longing to eat the pods that the pigs are eating. He hits rock bottom and it's at rock bottom that both the younger son and Jonah come to their senses. And the younger son, as he's coming to his senses, says, you know, I just want to be a servant, right? I'm going to say I've sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I just want to serve you. Well, Jonah, he asked to be thrown overboard basically to, to meet the Lord in a sense, um, to meet his God. And as he's down at rock bottom, he admits his failure to God. And you can read that in chapter two as he's just admitting how greatly he has sinned and he's promising to fulfill his vows to the Lord, just to serve the Lord as well. So uh, while Jonah is down there, God initiates again um, his reconciliation in a sense. God sends a fish for Jonah and in the parable of the prodigal son, the father runs, runs to get the son. And similar to how the, the father in the prodigal son parable says, my son was dead and now he's alive. Jonah in a sense had his resurrection too, being three days and three nights in the belly of the fish and then spit up onto the ground of Nineveh, kind of an interesting resurrection story for him as well. 
Well, the younger son is now initiated back into the family at the uh, great expense of the father. He's brought back in, um, brought back on track. Jonah gets on track as well, and he does what he's supposed to do. He preaches repentance to the Ninevites, and they repent. They repent, and the whole city gets saved. But it's interesting with Jonah that this does not please Jonah at all. This is where in the parable of the prodigal son, we see the older brother kind of step in. This great repentance that happens in um, the younger son's life is not uh, pleasing to the older brother, primarily because if the younger brother is fully instated, reinstated into the family, uh, it will be at a great cost to the older brother as well, because he had all of the rest of the inheritance of the father. And so if the son is now back, the the older son, the younger son is back, then the older son is going to lose a third of the inheritance that he has. So you can see how this older son is now really upset about this repentance of his younger brother. And Jonah is not pleased with the Ninevites repentance as well. And just like the older son is in the parable, the prodigal son is not willing to go into the party. Jonah after seeing what happened with Nineveh is not willing to go inside the city and uh, rejoice with them as they um, have been saved. Jonah sits out the city, outside the city, and Jonah begins to pout, kind of like the older brother in the parable of the prodigal son. And just like in that parable of the prodigal son, the, how the father goes out to meet the older son to reason with him, God goes to Jonah to reason with him. And uh, Jonah is very rude with the Lord, (laughs) Um, is kind of insulting toward the Lord and um, rude for allowing these people to repent. Well, the older son in the parable of the prodigal son is also rude with uh, his father. Look, as he says, and he calls him this son of yours, kind of uh, trying to cast shame on this father and kind of distancing himself from the father there. Well, uh, it's interesting. Jonah accuses God of being kind. (laughs) He accuses God of being kind in chapter four and the older brother also accuses the father of being kind to the younger son. And as he does that, the father in Luke 15 tries to reason with the older son to be rational. Everything I have is yours, right? He tries to reason with him to be rational about rejoicing over sinners repenting. And God does the same with Jonah all these hundreds of thousands of people and beasts who have now repented. Shouldn't we be joyful over that? And as the story of Jonah ends with Jonah still outside the city, the story of the two sons in Luke 15 also ends with the older brother outside the city. The question 
Will he or won't he choose to celebrate Nineveh's repentance? Is bitterness going to cause him to lose his inheritance? Something else I'd like to do in this correlational study is look at Nineveh. How does the city of Nineveh correlate to the younger son? Well, as I said earlier, this, this story is not just about um, Jonah. It's not just about the younger son, right? It's about two sons. And so let's look at, um, let's look at Nineveh. Well, Nineveh, very early on in its, um, in its life, I guess you could say, under Nimrod, broke away from God, began to go to become very wicked, as you can see in Genesis 10 through 11, the origins of Nineveh, just like the younger son, very early on, turns his back on God. And just as the younger son in Luke 15 grew more and more wicked, uh, Nineveh becomes one of the most wicked cities on earth. And like the younger son, um, God initiates his reconciliation and God initiates the Ninevites' repentance and reconciliation back to him. He sends Jonah to bring them to rock bottom. The people of Nineveh, they hit rock bottom as well. They humble themselves in sackcloth and ashes from the king to the beasts. All of them humble themselves. And just like the younger son comes to his senses at rock bottom, the people of Nineveh come to their senses. And just like um, the younger son pleaded with his father to uh, have mercy upon him. The Ninevites plead with the Lord God for mercy as well. And just like the father had great compassion upon the younger son, God had much compassion for Nineveh. Just like the father in Luke 15 brought um, the younger son back into the family. God receives the Ninevites into, into his family as well. They are restored. It's, it's pretty incredible that God does that. So as we're kind of bringing this to a close, I want to look at uh, just a few ways that um, the parable of the prodigal son really points us to Jesus. Well, we have all sinned right? We have all become enemies of God, as Romans 5 says. Uh, We have all become God's enemies. And the younger son rejected his father. The older son is acting as an enemy of the father. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. It's interesting in this parable how the father runs out to meet the younger son. And and I've always thought like, why did the father run? Well, you can see an answer to that in Exodus 21 verse 17, where it says, he who curses his father and mother shall surely be put to death. 
know, that younger son was wishing that his father would die basically by saying, give me the inheritance now. I wish you were dead. Well, in those days, the punishment for such a statement would be that the community, the Jewish community or Israeli community would come and take that son and stone him to death immediately. So when the son comes back and the community has surely heard of what has happened by now, they are looking for him. When they see him for the health of the community, like cutting a cancerous tumor out of a body, they need to, and they are obligated to destroy the son. And so the father meets him before the community can. The father runs and he throws himself over the son as if to say, if you're going to kill him, you must kill me. He puts his own robe over the son to cover him. This also makes me think about Genesis chapter three, how Adam and Eve wanted to rid themselves of their need for God, wanting to become like God. And yet that sin brought them to a desperate point where they are overcome with the shame as they realize they can't, they can't save themselves. They're in dire need of salvation. And yet the father initiates their reconciliation as well. He goes out to meet them and he covers them. And we are saved. We are covered by the father to become like the father. We like Adam deserve death, but God covers us at great expense to himself. He suffered great dishonor so that we could receive the honor that he deserves. In light of his great mercy, we are called to also be merciful. As Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17, if anyone in Christ, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away, behold the new things have come. Like the father said, my son was dead and now he is alive. Continuing in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 18, now all these things are from God who reconciled us to to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, namely that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed to us the word of reconciliation as the father pleads with the older son to be reasonable and act like him toward the younger brother. Verse 20, therefore we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Jesus took the punishment that we deserved like the father throwing himself over the younger son saying, 
I'll take the punishment that he deserves. Jesus did that for us so that we could then be like him toward others. And interestingly, the most commonly cited passage in the New Testament by the Antinicene writers is Matthew chapter 5, verse 44, where Jesus says, But I tell you to love your enemies. We are saved by the Father to reflect the character of the Father. You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. For he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good. And he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? If you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Therefore, you are to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Be mature and complete like Jesus. God bless you.